Hello and welcome to the next episode of SME Funding. My name is Lynette Nduli and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Kumaran Padayachi of Spartan and today we're going to be speaking about two words that often strike a chord of fear in entrepreneurs, debt and equity. As promised, we did say that we'd always try to bring experts and guests who had various experiences to the show to help us navigate the often very complicated world of funding and finance. And today we're really pleased to have with us in studio Rafilo Moloto, who now owns her own business in the financial services sector, Ambassador Advisory. Welcome to the show, Rafilo. Thank you for having me, Lynette. Thank, Thank you. you. So, Rafilo, you've had an extensive career in the financial services markets over the last 11 years, where you've served in various roles um, right across the world, in fact, Cape Town, Johannesburg. New York and leading in some fantastic institutions amongst them Investec um, as well as the ESCOM Pension Fund. Rafila, you're now a financial services entrepreneur. What's the adjustment been like for you from those very corporate institutions to your own business? Lynette, I have to say it's been, it's been quite, a, quite a challenge and a very exciting one. Um, the biggest shift I would probably mm -hmm. say is something I can empathize with uh, most of your viewers on. Uh, which is the big shift from having huge infrastructure in mm -hmm. a corporate uh, that has already been set up where somebody else has already taken the risk for you versus starting on your own, being everything in the business from the person who changes the paper in the photocopier uh, to the person who applies for the finance, makes sure compliance is fine as well as ensures that your clients are doing fine um, until the team grows. All right. Rafilo, so working with the different institutions <coughs> you've worked with, you've obviously dealt with a number of funding instruments um, in the time that you've been there. And I know one that often strikes fear, obviously, in entrepreneurs is the word debt, because yes. debt, we've been taught, is something that can be completely bad for records and everything else in a business. But equity also implies that somebody almost wants a slice of this baby that you're nurturing in, in, in your own way. Could you, in the simplest possible terms, um, with all of your experience and all the things you've seen, just explain to us what the difference is and why sometimes we hear a term like debt equity coupled together, mm -hmm. but sometimes we also hear the terms separate and what they both mean. No problem, 100%. So I think you've very appropriately described a, a small business or an SME entrepreneur's business as a baby. I think we're all very attached to them, especially at <clears throat> the early stages of the business. Um, and as a result, it becomes quite difficult wanting to give up the control and the, and the levers mm -hmm. of control. And deciding whether or not you choose debt or equity is usually up to whether, how much of that you're willing to give up. But just to take a step back, so debt in itself is a loan, like any other, usually accessible through commercial banks, but further up uh, in terms of the growth uh, of your company, there are other instruments that you can, and, and other institutions that you can approach in order to give you a loan. Um, loans obviously need to be serviced. And so the stage at which you are in your business will also determine whether or not you take equity or you take a loan. For example, you need to be able to make your debt repayment or your interest repayment on a regular basis. Uh, if you are not making cash flows as mm. yet, it is mm. not an appropriate uh, funding model. And mm. you might prefer to offer equity to an investor. Equity, as you say very rightly, is a person taking a slice of your business. Mm. With a patient investor, an angel investor or a venture capitalist, um, you might be able to give them sort of 10 or 20 percent and they might not necessarily be seeking those monthly returns from you uh, in terms of uh, debt repayments as a, as a loan uh, provider would. However, they would be expecting to see some growth in the business over time. Mm. So 
Tell us about venture. Where does venture capitalists feature in this equity component? Okay, where no problem. Um, you know, Kamaran, I think the the stage at which you are looking at a venture capitalist um, versus other kinds of equity investors is one div uh, driven by the stage of your business, and two also the size. Often you get what, uh, along the scale of equity investors, you'll probably start with the likes of an angel investor. An angel investor is an extremely patient investor who's actually almost willing to forego very, very high returns at the beginning in the hopes of seeing massive growth from you maybe five, ten years from now. Um, those uh, angel investors aren't as demanding of your financial statements at the very beginning. They often hold your hand and help you pull together your business plan and are really there to, to see you grow. They're, they're, they're invested in the person mm -hmm. and the idea. Mm -hmm. A venture capitalist might come in maybe at you know, very early stage development, um, maybe within your first year to your first three years. Um, or it might also be driven by the size of the investment required. Mm. And venture capitalists, while there are some in South Africa that call themselves that, are actually quite few. And the reason for that is really that it comes down to the degree of risk you're willing to take. The angel investor is willing to take a great deal of risk on you without too much written down. Mm. The yeah. venture capitalist, a little bit less, a little bit more traffic, track record would be required. Mm. Uh, whereas the private equity investor, which comes just after the venture capitalist and which I think is the more prevalent funding model that we find, mm. would really like to see a decent amount of track record, some financial statements, um, a good sense of a market that exists uh, and you're being able to differentiate yourself and grab market share. Mm. Now, in this uh, debt equity, v debt versus equity, mm. when is what right, there's uh, two uh, lens or perspective one can look at yes. it from my, my sense, right? So the one is an emotional, psychological lens, yes. and you alluded to it in the start when you said uh, the perception about giving up control and Correct. someone else coming into my business. So that's that emotional, psychological lens you could view this, this balance. And the other one is a technical requirement. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the technical requirement a yes. bit first. All right, I think you're absolutely right. So there's always a trade-off in any relationship. Um, and the sacrifice of the ownership and the control is paid off, uh, paid off by the technical uh, expertise you would normally get. The idea, of course, if you're going to, yes. Oh, if the idea being if you are going to get a, 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 an equity investor at the early stage, such as a venture capitalist mm. or an angel investor, you would like somebody with the technical expertise either from a business sense, uh, legal sense, or somebody who's able to actually impart managerial or operational expertise into your business. Mm -hmm. um, private equity investors do this as well. It's a large part of the practice. Often what you'll find is for a stake in the business, uh, you need to give up maybe a seat on your board of directors where somebody can keep an operational eye on, on the business. Uh, what, I, what I meant sorry, about mm -hmm. this technical side was that not so much the technical expertise, what I'm referring to is entrepreneurs I find uh, are not always aware or appreciative that there needs to be a certain amount of own contribution in their business, whether it's from ah. themselves, outside shareholders, to uh, ensure there's a balance in the balance sheet. 100%. You know? mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I mean by the, the technical thing, where it's impossible to have a business that's 100% funded by, by debt because there's no buffer room for any mess up. And that equity represents a buffer room for any mess up. I see and of course, saying. if your ambition now is to uh, leapfrog the business to another level, then you need more buffer room, which means you need more equity. Yes. That's the technical 
requirement that often they fail. Did you, what do you see? So, Rafilia, it was earlier on as she was just talking about um, particularly equity and the things that you give up, but also the things you can potentially get. Yes. I love the, the angle that you took with that in the sense that often you have to give up a seat within the business yes. or be open to another voice right. now talking life, as it were, into the business itself. Um, so that implies then that typically when you then look for a funder in the world of yes. equity, you've also then got to look for a funder who perhaps has a heart for your business experience and your business, in your business as well. How easy is it in South Africa, for instance, to find um, equity providers and partners who are attuned particularly to, I would say, the priority sectors mm. that we find a lot of small businesses beginning to take traction in and grow in? Because I would imagine that they would have to have some um, attraction as well as some expertise that they can actually bring to the table in the first instance. I think that's an ext extremely powerful point. Um, I think one of the big constraints in SME financing and in SME growth is exactly mm. that gap mm. um, and making that match. Mm. I think that there's plenty expertise. I think there are plenty SME ideas. I think that they struggle to find one another. Mm. Um, so what you'll find is what we require more of uh, particularly depending on size, mm. is um, the aggregators who are able to, such as, such as Kumaran, who are able to actually bring the right expertise mm. to the correct ideas. Mm. Um, if you are big enough that you can seek private equity funding, mm. um, or if you have been in the game long enough that you can seek private equity funding, the technical expertise you seek is probably not that much. Mm. It's actually the person who's at the entry level mm. who really needs to find these people and understand how do I differentiate my product. Mm. So much of SME uh, activity in South Africa and on the continent is survivalist, for example, okay. as opposed to specifically being strategic and closing gaps in the mm. market or be, you know, um, and, and it's understandable given the circumstances from which we come. Uh, you know, Let's come back after the break and talk about this all-important matter of size. It's come up a few times, but let's address it after this. Welcome back to SME Funding. Before the break, we were talking to Rafilu Moloto, who's our guest in studio today, about the difference between debt and equity, what de a private equity is, and how SMEs can begin to use it within the context of building their own businesses. Now, before the break, we were both talking about size and the technicalities of actually being put in front of the right service providers in the game. Yeah. Kumaran, I know that you have a few thoughts around that that you started to address. Yes. Um, take over from me. Yes, you know, SMEs get fr uh, frustrated with applying for finance and the process and, and, and all of that. I think a large part of that is energy applied in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're applying to funders that they should not be applying to, perhaps because they haven't researched or what have you. And a large part of that is private equity funders. You said earlier on that if they're big enough to warrant applying to a private equity. So my strong recommendation for the vast majority of SMEs is don't bother applying to traditional private equity funders. Mm -hmm. Rather concentrate Absolutely. on angel investors, mm -hmm. maybe VC if your business is very tech-driven, mm. you know, in terms of equity instruments, yes. uh, or some other kind of soft uh, partners. And until your business is at a certain size that meets the requirements, or even is at a stage that warrants it, don't bother with the traditional private equity. It's a waste of time. 
I but then if we, if we all look at the size of the markets in South Africa, particularly when we're looking at venture capitalists and angel investors, is it big enough to absorb just the sheer demand from the SME sector at the moment for funding and for supporters really of small business? Because I think the big trick is once you have the money, who's supporting you in terms of how you invest in the I'm saying you shouldn't even be applying to some of them. Ah, not at all. Okay. I think that's a very fair I think that's a very fair take. Um, I know that sometimes it is sort of given a, a strange eye because it always seems as though, oh, don't go to the government or whatever. And I'd love to hear your, your take. But the development finance institutions in this country are specifically great for addressing that missing middle mm. um, until we get more uh, funders who are in the private sector actually willing to give sort of debt. Mm. The nice thing about, you know, earlier on I spoke about cash flows um, needing to be quite early on but if you want to take on debt so that you can service it. The nice thing about when you're funded by a development finance institution is, first of all, it's cheaper finance. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you can get grace periods. Um, and there's, there's an understanding about the, the, the build-up. And then the third, which I find very important, is the technical support mm. from the likes of the National Empowerment Fund, where um, they have very strong teams helping mm. you build your business plans and the like. So I love the fact, Rafila, that you've actually brought that up, because traditionally when we talk private equity in particular yes. and debt equity, we often think of all the big names yes. along the grace and drives of Santon, and you bringing this into this conversation. And I think DFIs, um, Development Finance Institute, have really changed the way that SMEs in particular are able to access these instruments. You touched on the point that obviously the financing there is also better in the sense that it's cheaper. Yes. Um, you know, when we look at the regimes that they then also um, avail to SMEs in particular, um, what do you think in the application process and of mm. building the actual case, before you take a business to a DFI, do you really feel that most SMEs should probably concentrate on the most, given given the type of valuable exchange that mm. they're able to make with the DFI? The, the DFI might be able to support with this, but I think f what I was mentioning earlier around mm. the differentiation. So you really need to think through your business plan. Mm. You know, it can't just be, I can buy chocolates at 10% and sell them on, um, or widgets or whatever the product uh -huh. is. How, you know, understand your market, mm. understand who's playing in it. Mm. Um, and that takes a great deal of work uh, of digging in. And um, sometimes the scope is difficult. You know, you, you might not be able to access the, the national discourse about mm. what's happening, but then be regional. Find mm. out what's happening where you're operating. Um, and there's really no excuse compared to business owners of 20 years ago anymore mm. because, you know, for the most part, the Internet is pretty cheap mm. and very accessible. But definitely those DFIs can still support you when you get there. Mm. So there are a few things I want to say about DFIs. The one is I don't believe they are necessarily cheaper. Okay. And that doesn't mean that one shouldn't apply to them. I think they, uh, they charge a commercial rate similar to the funders. That's mm -hmm. my sense and my experience of, of dealing with them. And, and, um, and that's fine, and they should charge that uh, commercial rate. So they're not necessarily cheaper. Then there's something that's a pro and a con about a DFI, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, in defense of a DFI, uh, SMEs erroneously think that you're getting easier, softer, uh, money from a DFI mm. and you should not meet the normal ex uh, commercial expectations, that they should just give it to me. I think that's an unfair expectation that Absolutely. SME has upon a DFI. So that's in defense of a DFI. Mm -hmm. Now against, <laughs> right, is where uh, with SME the processes, the business process around application and the communication and all those types of things has to be very aligned 
to an SME target market. Right. And sometimes a large bank fails in that regard because Definitely. the adapting a corporate process towards SME mm -hmm. segment, very difficult. DFI's same kind of story. Right. So a lot of the criticism that comes against what they're not communicating with me or the process is too long is partly valid. Mm -hmm. So that's a real frustration as well. That's a practical frustration on the ground for SMEs. What is your views on that? Thank you very much, Kumaran, for the question to both of us. But for now, let's take a break and we'll get back to that big answer when we get back from this break. Welcome back to SME Funding. Rufilo, um, I'd love to hear your views on what he was just posing to us as pros and cons. Absolutely. Um, I think that Kumaran is absolutely right about the cons of, uh, of the SME, excuse me, of the DFI funding market insofar as uh, the processes are very long and, and the like. This, uh, this is not an SME-specific issue, for example. I mm -hmm. think uh, institutions, sovereign wealth funds, many of them would absolutely agree, and I've, I've run surveys that, that have, have given exactly that same answer. The struggle there, obviously, would be the capacity inside the DFI. Um, and I think that, um, you know, we, when you're dealing with a plethora of sectors, you're not always going to get everybody being the expert on the sector mm -hmm. and able to give you a mm -hmm. quick answer. Mm -hmm. I think that will be an issue in any funding model, be it, uh, be it uh, DFIs and the like. 100% with you that we shouldn't be expecting, uh, this is not a grant that you're mm. getting from the DFI. Yes. You must be able to meet your, your challenges and, and, and your hurdles. That said, I think that there's room for everything that we're speaking about. If I can try and address a question Kamaran tried to ask earlier mm. about the technical side. You, you, couldn't, you need to find the opti optical mix, I suppose, of mm. funding from various sources mm. um, and what you're going to get from them. You know, is it the expertise that you're getting from the equity uh, shareholder? Is it the expertise you'd like to get from the DFI? Or is it the understanding that there's just a constant uh, cash flow, out, cash outflow, uh, interest payment that I know is predictable mm. and that they're not taking a slice of my return every, at the end of every financial period. Mm -hmm. um, and when making those decisions, I think Kumaran made a very good point around how much buffer you're able to have in your business. You're 100% right, particularly an SME or a startup, you cannot be 100% funded. We, we speak often about having skin in the okay, game. Yes. Um, you know, every angel investor wants to know that you've put a little bit of yourself into it or some sort of funding into it, even mm. if it's a small proportion, mm. um, as well as just equity in general, because <clears throat> anything can happen, a shift in interest rates or a shift in the business case uh, that, that, that within which you're trading. Um, and, uh, and I think uh, get, getting your leverage metrics correct, mm. uh, which I wouldn't like to... I mean, I'm thinking about whether or not I should give you a specific percentage here, you know, but uh -huh. it's not right to prescribe right. a percentage amount of leverage because every industry is so different. Mm -hmm. um, but, but uh, you know, you shouldn't really be over 60, 70% if you're really starting up, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but please don't take that as prescriptive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, like, I like some of the points that you're raising, but I think for me, um, sitting perhaps in the shoes of an SME, I would start thinking immediately that even if you're not necessarily ready yes. to access private equity or to take a very large loan and a slice of debt, you know, to further and scale up your business, one really needs to start to think about those all-important ratios yes. and those all-important growth indicators in your business and how they fit into your forecasts. Because, you know, not all debt is bad um, yes. and it's necessary. It 
some point to scale over. So I think that's certainly something I would love to leave our viewers with today is the sense that, you know, you may not necessarily be in the market for it, but you need to start building a business mm -hmm. that has created space for it, that has created indicators for itself to say now is also the right time or not. Because I suppose also the worst thing you can do is to rush out for debt when it's urgent and it's critical based on all the time delays that we're also all Correct. talking about about their approval. You can't do it as an urgency. It's not an overdraft. That's right. um, so I, I, I really like the sense that you leave everybody at the sense that this is something at some point in your growth that is going to happen. 100%. Kumaran, I know that for our viewers each week, you bring to us um, a tip an important tip that SMEs must consider as they build up a profile to both excess debt as well as equity. What do you have for us today? As a business, as your business is growing uh, into the future, one need, as SME, we need to think about two things. One is when and how debt or equity will be required at the appropriate stage. So that's a technical mm -hmm. thought around um, the technicalities of the when and the how. Mm -hmm. And the second is, your emotional issues <laughs> with that because the business may technically require that level of equity at this mm -hmm. chapter three in its life but emotionally you're not ready you still mm -hmm. here so guess mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. mister is going to hold the business back so I understand we're at the technical stage that is required and where you are emotionally in that because mm. otherwise the one or the other is going to hold that back yeah so you definitely can't separate your feelings from your business and what debt means to you thank you so much to our guest today Rafilwe Moloto who is also the managing director of ambassador advisory thank you very much Rafilwe for just opening the world up to us and showing that small businesses need to start at least thinking about it planning towards it and finally accessing private equity as well as debt financing and just how to do that thank you very much to our viewers I hope you had a wonderful time with us this morning and you learned something something critical that it's a small building block and a step forward as you begin to scale up and grow your businesses. Please, as we always ask you to do, interact with us. Ask us more questions about this subject. We are available on Twitter at, at funding underscore SME. And you're also welcome to email us your questions at smefunding at bdtv.co.za. And as often as possible, we will try to come back to you and answer your all-important funding questions. Please join us as well in the next episode as we continue on the journey of undoing this very complex world of funding as we grow our business. Have a good day.